superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. And the Cowboys looked like they hadn't played a game together this year. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I don't uh, want to get into uh, any uh, addressing of any aspects of any part of it. The Rich Eisen Show. You know, he's had enough. And I think this is where you take a big swing at, say, like a bill. Today's guests, NFL Network Analyst. Daniel Jeremiah, host of the Right Time Podcast, Bomani Jones, host of Pro Football Talk, Mike Florio. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Yes, it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show. We have all six super wild card weekend games in the books to chew on. So much to talk about on this program. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial my colleague, from the NFL Network, NFL Media Group, about to spend a ton of time with him now that we're entering the talent evaluation portion of the calendar for most teams, or all teams, but uh, solely for most teams in the NFL. Daniel Jeremiah will join us first up on this show. Bomani Jones in studio hour number two. Obviously, always interesting talking to him when he stops by in hour number two. And Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk with the latest of the coaching carousel and everything else that's going on in the National Football League. And then there's you, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial to have a conversation on this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate, Sirius XM Odyssey. Obviously, as always, we're live on the Roku channel every day from 12 to 3 Eastern, channel 210 for those actually with a, a, uh, a remote control at home. We air 12 to 3 Eastern live every single day on every Roku device known to man. Good to see you over there, Chris Brockman. Good to see you, hey, Jason Fowler. Good What's to up, see Rich? you in your spot. Hey. TJ oh, Jefferson, how are you, sir? Good to see you. A little bit better than I was yesterday. Yes, because there's misery loves company. <laughs> misery has company in the Everybody. NFC. So that's the headline. Uh, the uh, the NFC East is a, is a uh, miserable company, is basically what I'm saying. As we have a new National Football League, National Football Conference champion. And it's going to be either the 49ers, the Packers, the Buccaneers, or the Lions. How about that for a mix? Those are the four teams that will be representing the National Football Conference. One of those four in the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, Nevada in about three weeks' time. That's the deal. Because the Philadelphia Eagles, once upon a time, 10-1, and one, finish 11-7. and seven. That's their final record. Losing six of their final seven games. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, congratulations to the NFC South champions. And my boy, Baker Mayfield, they're moving on to Detroit after a game that was seemingly never in doubt. Even when the Buccaneers settled for that opening drive field goal, they looked terrific driving it down the field, and Baker was firing darts. And the uh, running game was working in a way that the Buccaneers fans had not recognized in quite some time. And Baker Mayfield wound up with a 337-yard Three touchdown performance in his first playoff game as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer starting quarterback. And there is some history in that that we'll discuss later on, including two wide receivers who had touchdowns of 40 or more yards each. All of those things put together show you just how poorly the Philadelphia Eagles played. Yes, we can give the Buccaneers their flowers. And as you know, I love Baker Mayfield more than most. Mm -hmm. I love caping for him. You guys accuse me of him being my uh, my third son. Yeah, he's first in line of your adopted son. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, he might be taking on another one in Brock Purdy <laughs> later on in these playoffs. 
Are you going to get one of those like stitched jerseys with the two? Fifty-fifty split. Am I going to I'm going to go get use check so yeah. wife to yes, make me one of those. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> get done if we get there, get done at Kelsey's Taylor. So Tampa can. Bay Buccaneers oh, football, as we all know, they've won championships, including with Tom Brady. Only one quarterback has had 300 or more passing yards and three or more passing touchdowns in a playoff game all time. His name's Baker Mayfield. So yes. There's reasons to give them their flowers. But we're talking today about an NFC champion that looked destined to repeat as such when they won 10 of their first 11 games and then fell off a cliff. Total first alert time. They fell and could not get up. And yes, having issues tackling is that the biggest runny nose oh, you can have God. in football to show that the patient is not feeling very well? Chills, that the patient is feeling ill. When you can't tackle, you can't rap, and David Moore and Trey Palmer are running for touchdowns with yards after the catch. They almost had 100 yards of receiving of yards after the catch in the first quarter. Last night. And if that's not an indication, something is up. And the fact that the offense is missing A.J. Brown going in and then Julio Jones gets knocked out and the passing game becomes that much more troublesome and then they just ignore running the football. And trust me, I get it. Tampa's got Vita Vea up front and a stout rushing defense. But you abandon the run? Essentially, 15 attempts for 42 yards. I looked it up. The 42 yards rushing for the Philadelphia Eagles, which used to have 42 yards rushing in two attempts last year in winning the NFC. How many times did they have 42 yards basically in, in a drive rushing or two attempts in a drive rushing? 15 attempts 42 yards. The 42 yards is the fewest in a game for the Philadelphia Eagles since a week 14 overtime loss in Dallas in 2018. And it matches the fewest number of playoff rushing yards for the Eagles. Again, the last time they had 42 rushing yards in a playoff game was when they had 42 yards in the double doink game later on in the 2018 season when they beat the Chicago Bears in the wild card round 10-7. They won that game. This one wasn't even close. And you just knew it. Even with the Eagles having that opportunity to score before halftime and after halftime, I even tweeted it out that the Eagles, despite how poorly they played, getting the ball back down 16-3 to with five and change to go in the first half, having an opportunity to score before halftime and getting the ball after halftime, they still had a chance to get in this game and even take a lead in this game if they scored two touchdowns, one before half, one after half. And even when they scored the touchdown before halftime, the moment where I realized the Eagles were done. Done. Like the turkey had popped was when they kicked the extra point to go down 16 to 10 and take it off the board because the Bucks are offsides, and I don't blame them because just go for the most unstoppable play in the history of the NFL, the brotherly shove. They went for it, and the Bucks stopped it. The minute I saw the brotherly shove got stopped, I'm like, that's it. And I know the Bucks did it to them earlier when they faced each other in the first month of the season. The Bucks had stopped the brotherly shove on third down. The Eagles then went for it on fourth down and got it. When the Bucks stopped the most unstoppable play for the Eagles, I'm like, this is finally the moment they're cooked. They can't run it. They can't throw it. They can't tackle. They can't sack the quarterback. They eventually did finally get home on Mayfield. But when they couldn't, Get the brotherly shove into the end zone for a two-point conversion. Even keeping it a one-score game 
They could score a touchdown and tie the game if that could happen after the third quarter kickoff. I'm like, that's it. And sure enough, proven correct. When it was still 16-9 and the Eagles get the ball back again because they finally did get home on the quarterback and they go backwards from inside the 10 and Jalen Hurts takes a sack because the offense, when they're sending everybody out on routes, there was no outlet for them in the end zone. It's just you guys go run and turn around and Jalen will throw it to you. I mean, good Lord, I'm not a tape head. I'm not an all-22 guy, but it's just like, what were the Eagles thinking? And then the offensive line starts getting jumpy and holding and what have you. Cam Jurgens had an awful night. And Jason Kelsey deserves better to have that his final game in the National Football League, as it appears to be. I said earlier... You don't want to be in the same breath as the 1986 Jets. I said that a few weeks ago. The 86 Jets, I remember it. The Joe must go. The Joe Walton, Joe must go Jets. Jets fans chanting, Joe must go. Because they were 10-1 and and didn't win the division. And they were the only 10-1 and team in the history of the NFL to not win the division. To not use that as a springboard for a home playoff game. Unbelievable. Believable, And I'm like, you don't want to be that team, Philadelphia. Well, they're not. Because those 10-1 and 86 Jets won their wild card game and made the divisional round and pushed the Browns to double overtime before losing. These Eagles didn't even hold a lead in their wild card loss in Tampa. It's a damn shame, man. They got a ton of talented players. It was... The number one subject matter on my top five list last week. Top five biggest head scratchers in the NFL of 2023. Number one, and it is with a bullet. The total post-Thanksgiving disintegration of the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't get it. They couldn't run it with the best offensive line in the business. They couldn't throw it. When you've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith with success and getting Dallas Goddard back. They couldn't defend. They changed defensive play callers. Bless him, Matt Patricia. God bless him. Last year, he was miscast as an offensive coordinator. Now, as the defensive coordinator for this Philadelphia team that gave up 30 points a game after that win against the Kansas City Chiefs, 30 points a game they gave up. They couldn't stop it. They couldn't run it. They couldn't throw it. And they were 10-1. and What the hell? So now the question is, is what do they do uh, with the coach? Which is unbelievable. (laughs) Unbelievable. When Bryce Harper and the Phillies were killing it in the playoffs – and, you know, Bryce Harper, was it was it in Arcia, the second baseman of the uh, uh, for the Braves, of yeah. the Braves? And he's kind of like yeah, pointing, pointing at him and, and, you know, yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. business. And I'm like that. He looks just like Sirianni, yeah. who's MF and fans. And he's, you know, he's he's just barking and talking with his chest like he is the personification of the Philadelphia id. And now he is the personification of Philadelphia. What happens when Philadelphia coaches can't stop the bleeding, and it suddenly turns into a total disaster. It looks like the shining elevator. Forget (laughs) about stopping the bleeding. (laughs) Unbelievable that this is now part of the conversation with two years left on his contract and just one season removed from an NFC championship and winding up within mere points of hoisting the Lombardi Trophy for Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts had this to say after the game when asked about his coach's future. Because he couldn't stop it. The defense couldn't tackle anybody. And so, of course, the leader of this team, who, thanks to last year, got a huge contract out of it. And this was the first year of his huge contract. You went Nick back. You went Nick back. I didn't know he was going anywhere. I don't. I didn't, I didn't know that. You didn't know 
I have everybody. I have a ton of confidence in um in everyone in this building. Um, it's just a matter of us going out there and playing clean football. And that's been something that we have not done, you know. I, I honestly, if they sit there in the meetings and say, "Okay, we need a new offensive coordinator," because that wasn't it. I mean, they didn't have a plan. Todd Bowles was blitzing the minute. The, you know what? The blitz the call. The minute. Yeah. The minute. The announcer in Raymond James Stadium started the third down. Like as soon as the word came out of his mouth, the blitz call was in. Yeah. And they couldn't stop it. And he bless him for, you know, living in, in, a, in a cocoon or where, where he's not hearing this conversation about his coach, certainly in Philadelphia where they've got sports talk coming out of there, you know what's. And so Lane Johnson, our guest on Friday, said the words last night when asked about what, what the future held. He said, quote, unquote, no one is safe, said Lane Johnson. Because he knows. Sums up. We only see the tip of the iceberg. There's an iceberg in Philadelphia. I don't know what the hell happened with A.J. Brown needing to have his the teammates over for, for a gathering, and then he removes himself from you know Twitter and Instagram and everything. He said apparently it's got nothing to do against the Eagles. Mike Garofolo had, had that report on game day morning. He just needed a tap out. He told the Eagles PR staff, I'm tapping out. It's got nothing to do with anybody here. Okay. I, I honestly, I yeah, don't. I don't know. It is the greatest mystery. The Bermuda Triangle landed on Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the minute after Gabe Davis went one way and Josh Allen threw another way in overtime in Philadelphia. Because if they didn't, if they connected on that, Philadelphia would have lost every single game the rest of the year. with the exception of that one Dallas, I mean, that one game where they lucked out on Christmas against the Giants. When Tommy Cutlets handed it off to Terod Taylor and he turned into Phil Simms and Hostetler and Eli Manning all rolled into one. I don't know what the hell happened. And Jeff Lurie's got to sit there and go, if we're changing the offensive and defensive coordinators, are you the one to hire them? Because you got two years left on a deal, and I'm I'm wealthy enough to eat it, and go get Bill Belichick, who's sitting out there. That's the crazy thing, too, is that this is the most decorated group of coaches interviewing for jobs, like Belichick apparently did Ever with the seen. Falcons yesterday. Words I never thought I would see tweeted out by the Atlanta Falcons. We have interviewed Bill Belichick for a head coaching position. It was so bizarre. What the that hell pops up in your timeline. You're like. Wait, Wait a minute. Is this an ad? That's is like this the, like spoof the onion? What is happening? That's right like now? the 28 to 3 of coaching searches. Oh my God. Let's take a break. We'll talk about it with Daniel Jeremiah and, of course, Mike Florio and you at 844 204 Rich. Number to dial. DJ, move the sticks. Can't wait to talk to him. That's next. This is the edition of the Rich Eisen Show you've been waiting for. By that, I mean a Tuesday after Super Wildcard Weekend. <laughs> What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. All right, he's already zoomed in. Let's hop him on, pop him on before we get to uh, the uh, radio audience. Once again, Daniel Jeremiah, good to see you, sir. How are you? 
I'm doing great, Rich. How's it going, man? I, I'm good. Um, I, I, I was going to introduce you uh, to the radio audience the way I introduced you for game day game night the other day, but I, I'll just remind everybody here what I said. <laughs> I introduced Daniel Jeremiah as a man who can no longer hold Appalachian State over my head. Like, that's that's over. Oh. It was a great run. I think wow. so. you said it was a great run. It was a great run for yeah, you. Yeah, no. Right? I it's had a over. blast. I. I, I was double digits. I was double digits in getting uh, jabs in, so I got my yeah. money's worth out of that thing. <laughs> double digits in terms of years? You're talking about how long you were? No, able just to do in that? terms of on-air, on-air jabs. I feel like I'm okay. well into the double digits. And that's, oh it gosh. was a good run. It was yeah. a good run, but right. I mean, like uh, now, I'm I'm not wearing a Teflon suit, right? I'm Teflon. You know to... who this sucks for, by the way. Oh, uh, oh, oh Charles. Charles, Charles, because all of my Michigan ire is now going to be pointed to Tennessee. Anytime there's any type of Tennessee <laughs> failure, I'm just going to transfer that over to CD. I yeah. thought you were upset because you know who was in the booth for that call for the first ever game on the Big Ten Network calling that game. True. Was Charles Again, Davis. stories that no longer will get to be told, unfortunately. That broadcast is now in the dustbin. And dustbin. <laughs> hey, it's not even the biggest, most recent big upset for Appalachian State even. You know what I mean? No, it's a yearly occurrence. This is what we do. That's exactly yeah. what you do. All right. Uh, and just, uh, I got 30 seconds of radio audience returns. Yeah. Uh, over under number, set the over, uh, over under in the number of Michigan Wolverines we're going to see at the combine in Indianapolis. Oh, gosh. Uh, at the combine? At the combine. Uh, I don't know, 16? Wow. That's it's a, gonna big be a big number. number. That's a, be a big number. That is a big yeah. number, 16. All right. Well, some of them, some of them went back though, so we'll see. Oh, some of them, not enough. Back here on the Rich Eisen <laughs> Show Radio Network, I'm sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. He calls games locally here for the Chargers Radio Network, but you all know and love him as at Move the Sticks on social media, and also that great pod with him and Bucky Brooks for the NFL Media Group. And my friend from the Combine and the Draft to be able to spend a ton of time with Daniel Jeremiah, including right here on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you, DJ? I'm doing great, Rich. Uh, I, I had one of those moments today where I was like, and so it begins, uh, working on uh, my first mock draft of the year, uh, which I will turn in. So that'll be up, I think, later in the week. But like, I just spent my morning with like an hour looking at the Chargers going, do I want Roma Dunze? But I don't know, Brock Bowers. I know, do you take a tight end that early? And then, you know, gosh, I could take Terry and Arnold, who I think is the best corner. I mean, and here we go. Well, it's off. I guess it depends who the head coach is going to be there. So who does Jim Harbaugh want? Is that the way I should say it? Should I phrase it that way, Daniel? <laughs> of, that, of that hour process, I would say 20 minutes was spent trying to climb into the head of Jim Harbaugh, which, as you know, is a dangerous exercise. Right. Um, and, and I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, uh, I'm thinking it, it feels like, I don't want to say, I, I don't want to use the word inevitable. That's too strong. But doesn't it just feel like there's, is there a more perfect pairing? I mean, he's got history with the organization there. Um, it's, it's, he's got the quarterback in place. He can get in there. I think even though they have some salary cap uh, decisions to make, I think they could get that thing up and running pretty quick. He gets back to the West Coast. He's, you know, mission accomplished. The banner is flying in Ann Arbor. It just, it feels like this is a, a really good match here. Unless he wants to go back to Michigan and, and you know, rumors flying everywhere about what he really wants. Nobody knows, as you said, about climbing in his head. But um, not to turn you into an information man, you're more of a, again, an all 22 and obviously a talent evaluator. But you, you, know, you hear anything about coming out of the building about, the, the conversation they had with Harbaugh goes well. What do you, anything that you're hearing on that front? No, I, I haven't heard anything since he, uh, he had his conversation. Now, one of the things um, I had seen that was put out there, which was, you know, obviously he's going to want to be the highest paid guy and he's going to want full control, you know, over everything. And I talked to people, you know, that are tight with Harbaugh that said, that's a mischaracterization. Like he, he's going to want somebody that he trusts, um, but he's not going to be somebody who's going to be, you know, making every decision and 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 uh, and wanting to secure that power. He just wants somebody to partner with that he really likes and trusts. Okay, and so the Chargers are still going about their business, right? Like Dan Quinn, I hear, is coming on their, uh, you know, on their radar screen. They're going to interview with him. Um, but it just so who do you think is how, how would the Harbaugh Herbert fit for you? How how do you think that would work? 
Danny. Well, Rich, I remember during my scouting days um, watching and evaluating a really, really big, athletic, smart quarterback up in Palo Alto who was paired with a coach who believed in the physical run game and then only you know, asking him to make those plays in those key moments with his athleticism and giving him a lot at the line of scrimmage where he could make checks and uh, get you into the right spot. And it worked out quite well. Um, so I, I would think that this, if he was going to draw up a quarterback that he would like to coach and work with, um, you know, it's uh, it's hard not to see that as a, a really, really good match there uh, with Herbert. Daniel Jeremiah here on the Rich Eisen Show. Before we turn to, you know, the talent evaluation portion and and, and everything else with the, the kids available in the draft, uh, I, I'd love to get your two cents on the Philadelphia Eagles. Biggest oh, head scratcher for me uh, is what in the world happened uh, from the beginning of December on. What's your analysis of what took the Philadelphia Eagles from 10-1 and one all the way to hardly winning a game and one and done? I, I didn't recognize the team, you know, uh, I, I didn't, it was, it was bizarre. I can't remember a year like this where you've had a team that was rolling like that. And I know some people were saying, wow, they're winning some of these close games. I, I, I remember seeing tweets. This is the worst 10 and one team that I've ever seen because they've played so many close games. And at the time I was sitting there thinking, okay, you know what? They're just biding their time to get to the postseason. just stack the wins. It doesn't matter about beauty points and they'll kind of get it figured out and get it rolling. And it never happened. And, you know, I, I the word trust just came to me when I was watching them. Like, this just doesn't seem to be any trust. And I don't know if that's trust in your fellow players, if that's, you know, trust in, in your coaches or the scheme or the play call or what it is. But when you're changing course mid-year uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, they never got that figured out. There's way too much talent for them to be that bad. And to be honest with you, just looked disinterested, um, especially in that game against Tampa. It was an atrocious uh, tackling performance. So I don't know. I don't have an answer for you. I don't know how the heck you can go from where they were last year, um, looking like they had the best roster in the NFL and just barely missing a championship to come back and uh, play like they played last night. I, I just used the word unrecognizable, Rich. I, I didn't know what that was. But how does that happen? I don't understand how it. I, well, happens. you lose both coordinators, and that they talked about that on the broadcast a lot. That's a that's a big deal. You had some guys who got a little older, but to be honest, I'm watching the game last night, and two of the oldest guys were two of the best players on the field. Kelsey's still playing at a high level. Brandon Graham's still getting a bunch of pressure. Uh, Fletcher Cox was active. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it just it, it is uh, it is a. I have a mystery. I, I don't even know how to explain it. So then, how does it work in in a building after something like this happens? I don't, uh, wh- wh- how does the evaluation go down? How does an owner get involved? I mean, what what's your best guess through that prism? What's happening in Philadelphia? Well, they have to have an honest conversation, and they will. And you know, having worked in that building, and I think Jeffrey Lurie is one of the best owners in the NFL. I think Howie's one of the best GMs in the NFL. I think they'll. They'll take their time here. They'll evaluate the situation. There's going to be, I would imagine, massive changes. You know, at whether or not that goes all the way up to to the head coach, I don't know. But I, you know, I would imagine you're probably going to see two new coordinators. You're going to see a whole new, um, you know, scheme brought in there. And and then they have to have the conversation. Okay, with this this group of veterans that we have, that we were kind of one last ride. Is it time to to really kind of you know usher in a new era and move on from a lot of guys, some of which still have some football left in them? That that's going to have to be a really really honest conversation. And what would you ascribe the Dallas Cowboys having yet another playoff disaster befall them? What what's your analysis there, Daniel? They just play so tight uh, in the playoffs, man. It's just. The, the you know and you say it sounds generic but they just haven't handled pressure you know like they they are winning these games in the regular season they're stacking these 12 win seasons because they have enough have enough players they're good at the key positions um I, you know the only way i can explain it is just they it just get absolutely crushed by pressure and once that first touchdown that they were down turned into the second one and then the next it, it just you could just feel them suffocating uh while you're watching that so you know wh- whether or not again we see a head coaching change or not, they've got to find a way to be more loose uh, when they get to the postseason because that's about as tight of a team as I've seen. So when it, <laughs> how do you how do you do Man. that? I, I don't know. You, you, is I don't it know. Ayahuasca? I don't know. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, I don't know. I mean, I think you probably 
I think you're probably less cold tub and more jacuzzi. I, I don't know. It's got to be you try everything. <laughs> Daniel Jeremiah here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. Okay, so if I had turned to you while we're watching the quarterbacks work out at the Combine yeah. last year and we were, you know, on occasion, jaw open, hitting the, the floor, watching C.J. Stroud work out. If mm-hmm. I had told you that it he and Jordan Love would be divisional round playoff quarterbacks and their numbers in making their team's wild card winners would be the exact same with the exception of two more passing yards for C.J. Stroud, you would have told me what? Damn. I would have said that's uh, you're, you're maybe two years too early. Um, I, I, and we, we look, we were there together. Like, I believe in the talent for both these guys. And that throwing uh, session, we said it at the time was the best that I've ever seen at the combine. But there's a difference between, you know, just being a, a passer and a thrower and playing the quarterback position at the elite, elite, elite level, uh, that we've seen from Stroud and Jordan Love, uh, the same. So to have, to have that limited experience, um, and you say, okay, we've got the talent. So then that comes in flashes and that's the young talent is inconsistent. There's highs, there's lows. These guys are playing at an elite level and they're just steady as can be. They're low heartbeat. There's no, uh, there's no up and down to what they're doing. I didn't have words for Stroud. I got asked about that right after the game. And I'm like, I I've never seen anything like that. I've never seen somebody play the position that well, not just, oh, he made a play like down in down out. Uh, on balance, feet, eyes connected, getting through progressions, bing, 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 delivering the ball accurately, whether it required uh, velocity, whether it required touch, over-the-top balls, dry balls. He did everything. I, I don't know where you you go, man, you know what? He can get better here. Where? I, I don't know. I don't know how you get better from what he's doing right now. It's ridiculous. Wow. I mean, that is as high praise as I've ever heard you give somebody. I've never seen 22. it. 22, really. It's, he, he's that much of an outlier is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, it's. Again, I just when you see young players at that position, you know, Josh Allen's a great example, and he's he's continued to just grow and become this freak of nature that's probably the most talented player in the NFL right now. Right. But with Josh, when he was young, you remember like you'd have those unbelievable plays and you have the low lows and you still see a little bit of that in his in his play. Now, I've never seen a guy at this age be so consistent and and just not putting the ball in jeopardy, making big plays, making the right play. Um, and looking like he's just got it all under control. I, I, I've i never seen it. And then Love, too, uh, since week 11, um, 19 touchdowns, one interception. That's it. And what w- what did you see out of him against the Cowboys, Daniel? He made it, he made it look easy. Um, <laughs> he did. I mean, I, I was watching that game, and I was thinking about, um, you know, if we are in a copycat league, which we'll, and we start talking about draft stuff, we'll talk about how one thing one year impacts the next thing the next year. But when you watch Mahomes do what he's done throughout his career, uh, after been given a little bit of time to sit and watch and develop, and now you see Jordan Love, who they did not put in the microwave, they put him in the oven, and you look and see how that's turned out. I wonder if now we see some other teams that maybe if you're you know, maybe if you're the Rams and you know Stafford, you think Stafford can roll for another two years and play at an elite level. Maybe they sit there and go, you know what? We're going to take a quarterback here with one of our with a first round pick, something we never had before, uh, and let him sit and learn behind Matthew Stafford for a couple of years. Maybe we're going to see some teams try and use this approach because those are two good examples of it working pretty darn well. Well, I was going to ask you how how uh, that was going to be my last question on this subject matter is how. Love and Stroud's performance in these playoffs is going to be a copycat for a blueprint for others to push quarterbacks higher in the draft. And you're saying maybe Love being a guy who sat for all that time, that's going to be a copycat blueprint for some? Well, I mean, you've got two examples, right? You've got Stroud, who gets thrown right into the mix and is doing stuff we've never seen before. I would say that's going to be tougher to duplicate. Um, I don't know that I've seen that very often. Uh, I think you have seen a blueprint with guys being a little bit patient and then getting them to become masters of their system and understand defenses better and understand uh, the NFL game and then having more success. Um, I think there's also, you think about the things that have went well, 
Um, and you can think about some other examples of which you, you might be uh, familiar of guys maybe maybe in hindsight got put out there when they weren't ready um, and it didn't work out. So, um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see. We've got a lot of teams that need a quarterback that don't have one. And then we've got a, a handful of teams with really good quarterbacks that are getting towards the end. Um, so, man, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a lot of fun talking about these quarterbacks as we head towards the spring. Daniel Jeremiah here on the Rich Eisen Show. Um, so, what do you think the Bears are gonna do with first overall status again? And this time mm-hmm. around, it's Caleb Williams who's sitting right there. I'm assuming that's the guy, right? I mean, we're seeing other mocks already where Drake May could be the guy, but. Uh, I, I know I'm asking you multiple questions at once, but what do you think the Bears are going to do here, DJ? I think it'll be Caleb Williams. Um, yeah, I do. I, and I went back and uh, over the last week, I've kind of been watching going through quarterbacks. And when I went back and, and watched him, uh, I had done the early season stuff where the, the schedule wasn't as daunting and he was having a ton of success as he had the, the entire year uh, in 22. And then, and, you know, a bunch has been made about his numbers down the stretch this year and the quality of opponent, and he didn't play as well. And when I went and watched it, Rich, I came away thinking, you know what, that is uh, one of the worst interior offensive lines I've seen in a long time. Uh, he, They were rushing three and getting immediate pressure on him. He was under duress constantly, which did lead to him forcing some things. There were some bad habits that creeped in there. But I came away with the totality of, of studying him, thinking this guy has got some rare ability, man. He has got an unbelievable amount of horsepower in terms of how he can generate uh, velocity with his arm, what he can do with the force with his legs, uh, the creativity we all know about. I just think, you know, every quarterback has some risk. Do I wish he, you know, played on time a little bit more? Sure. But I, I think you can, and Mahomes is the greatest example of that. You can kind of corral that without taking away that magic. And I think he's a, I think he's a rare, rare talent. And I, I just can't see the Chicago Bears bypassing that. What did you make of them sticking with Eberflus and bouncing the entire offensive staff? Does that point anything towards uh, what you're saying? Daniel? Well, I think they've done this now. Uh, I was reading about it the other day. They've done this. This would be the third time, right, where they've made changes but kept the head coach. They did that when they selected Trubisky, uh, so they still took a young quarterback. They did the same thing when they selected Fields, and they made head coaching changes after their rookie years, which is not ideal. Um, and then now here we are with the same scenario presenting itself where um, they make changes but keep the head coach and go draft the the rookie quarterback. It's something that's you know that they've done. Obviously, different general manager uh, right now with Ryan Poles. But uh, now I think the way they finished up as competitive as they were, they didn't want to completely start over. Uh, but knowing they needed some um, they needed some new ideas and some new life on the offensive side of the ball. Well, certainly if they're going to cash in the first overall selection for themselves this time around and choose Caleb Williams like that is the franchise that's the biggest franchise decision any franchise can make so my question for you is how do you see this playing out because they're going to have to fill the offensive staff first right yeah then they're going to have to at some point flip Justin Fields before the new league year right that's that's the way it's going to have to go and then that will inform everybody on what their decision with the draft picks going to be correct that's it yeah i think that's i think that's pretty much it that's the that's the timeline and then it would come down to um you know what can they get in return for justin fields and when you start going through the teams um there's needs there's needs out there we have a deep quarterback class some interesting names uh but justin has gotten better and i i don't you know, I always feel like in these discussions, everybody wants to make it love one guy, hate the other guy. And no, Justin Fields has, has done some good things. He's continued to get better. And he's, I believe, one of the, you know, going to be one of the 32 best quarterbacks in the NFL. And he's going to find a spot and he's going to get a chance to, to play and, uh, and more than likely get paid handsomely. But I, I think the uh, opportunity to upgrade into a different tier of quarterback is something the Bears can't pass up. So, um, you know, I think that's the timeline that you laid out, and we'll see what they can fetch uh, for Justin Fields. Right, and you also start the clock again at year one of a rookie contract as opposed to have to make a decision after you pick up a fifth-year option at some point on whether you enrich him generationally or not and how much of a commitment you make. So there's that. Which team do you think would take that on for Fields? I know Atlanta's been mentioned, but we don't know who the coach is there. Would Belichick want Justin Fields? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like that's – don't you think that that is a large part of the puzzle that we don't know yet? 
I, I think it's a huge part of it. I'm trying to pull this number up here, by the way. I'll, I'll, uh, okay. I'll actually, I'll, I'll do it. I'll get it to the next time. But I pulled up all the numbers. I had an agency run all the numbers comparing uh, with Fields what it would be like if he got the Daniel Jones contract, right? Let's just make that the contract okay. versus taking the quarterback 1-1. And it's it's a sizable difference, not in the first year, but as you go through these next years beyond that, it's it's a huge, huge difference. So uh, I'll send you that. We'll have that discussion in later. In terms of but, yeah, cap, in terms of what you're putting on your cap. cap. Okay. 100%. Yeah, it's a massive difference. So um, Atlanta is the team that is, when I look down at, and uh, going through the mock draft process and looking at all the teams and studying the individual teams, and I know they don't have a coach yet. We'll see if it is Belichick. It makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think it would be fun, you know, just using his athleticism with all the skill talent that they have on offense and playing on that surface. Obviously, he goes back home. There's that element of it as well. Um, yeah, I would think Belichick, after being what he's been through, would would be pretty elated to have uh, to have Justin Fields out there. All right, DJ. I mean, my God, so it's crazy off season, man. To discuss, and then there's Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting out there too, right? My yeah, and and gosh, and I mean, Adunze, you saw him in the. Ch- I mean, oh, yeah. that was one. Where I'm like Harbaugh. Harbaugh maybe got an up close look at somebody that he could be coaching next year uh, with with what he saw from Adunze and what he did in that game. So, and all that being said, Rich, the Padres only have one outfielder and they start spring training <laughs> in a month. I don't know. Keep the faith, DJ. Keep the yep. faith. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. See you, buddy. It's the only one and only Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks. Dude, uh, I, that is once all the pieces settle, the whole world's going to start focusing on what the Bears are going to do. <laughs> yeah. Caleb Williams have made it official yesterday. He's in. He is that special. I mean, that dead week between championship and Super Bowl is yeah. going to be nothing but draft talk. I think so. I think so, too. When quarterbacks are this good and that they're at the top of a draft yeah. and there's so many that and, and and we could have five six quarterbacks in the first round certainly if it's uh, Stroud versus Love in the Super Bowl. Oh baby, hold on. Let me. Just you know who that. thinks that's going to happen? Let me quick. Uh, you know who think that's going to happen? Who? C- Cooper Evan Isaac. Oh baby. All right, hold on. Let me he called the Texans to the Super Bowl like weeks ago. Me, Dad, uh, what do you think? I should listen to him. Yeah. I'd be better picking games if I listened to him. Probably. I don't know about, don't know about that one. Seems like it. I don't know about that one. Let me just quick see what that is. Two wins say. away. Two. Look, anything's possible. Two though. road wins away. There you have it. Love it. Let's take a break. 844-204-RICH. Number to dial. Mike Tomlin had an exit stage left. Literally. <laughs> the door was to his left and he took it. That's next. From calling plays on the field to planning the perfect vacation, this season's strategy is to choose fun. Tackle your next vacation with an unbeatable game plan on a Carnival Cruise. Assemble your dream travel team to scout incredible experiences both on board and at destinations and gear up to score some unforgettable memories. Whether you're looking for a relaxing vacation or an action-packed experience, Carnival does fun your way. Plan your next vacation with Carnival Cruise Line to explore exciting excursions, delicious dining options, blissful relaxation, and beautiful destinations. Like Carnival's newest exclusive destination, Celebration Key. No one does fun like Carnival. In case you're wondering, wasn't allowed to keep the boat. Actually, I didn't ask. But you don't get what you don't ask for. Huh? You don't get what you don't ask for. You miss 100% of the toy the toy, uh, the toy ships you don't take. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. The toy cruises you don't take. <laughs> you know what I mean? Miss 100% of them. Rich, I'm just saying, Texans Packers to make the Super Bowl, 146 to 1. That's a lot. Can, I put a, can I put a five spot on that? And if it wins, I'll give it to Coop for his bar mitzvah? <laughs> so it would be five times what? One forty-six, and you'd give him how much? Whatever that you is. Know, it, you, you're supposed to give presents in if if you give money in high, which is the 18th letter means to life okay. in Hebrew. All right. So what does that mean? You have to. It's got to be a factor of 18. Oh, so I, is it 1800? 
No, 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 no. It, it would be uh, <laughs> wow, eighteen hundred. Jeez, I don't know. And his money. Be eighteen dollars at this point. Back here on the Rich Eisen show, Chris Brockman saying he's going to lay a bet on Texans Packers as a futures bet. Is that what they call those? Yeah, future. Yeah. All right, and then you'd give a portion of the proceeds because it's Cooper's idea sure, for I mean, his bar mitzvah. He can have all of it, really. How I mean, much? How much would it be? So Texans Packers uh, to win the. The win their conferences parlay is one forty six to one. Okay, so you'd put down five bucks on it, just a five spot. And how much is how much would it be? Like six hundred some bucks. I mean, quick math, yeah, almost six fifty. Okay. Again, it's got to be a factor of eighteen. All right, I'll do some math. In honor of to life, high to life. Okay. That'll be a better gift than handing him Tupperware. Like you did <laughs> All right, years ago for Hanukkah. 18 times 18 is 324. It's an upgrade. 324, so he can have the 18 by 18 bet. Okay. How about that? And then you keep the rest? Well, what am I supposed to do with it? Give it to a 12-year-old, a 13-year-old. He's a man now. You oh, just said man. a factor of 18. Okay, so then keep going. <laughs> What's like, the max? What's the max? Divided by 18. Till. What's the max? What's the max? Was keep going. 18 or 36 or... You want to put $18 down? Yeah. There you go. All right, that's twenty six hundred. There you go. That Happy works. bar mitzvah to him. Happy yeah. bar mitzvah, you know. And then we'll teach him now that he's a man the meaning of vigorous. Big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> break off a little piece there, and, too. And, and then Kate sits there and goes, "Hey, huh? pop. I mean, what's the deal? Hey, what am I doing?" <laughs> that's right. <laughs> He's happy. He's a Disney How about something for Rabbi Vigorish over here? <laughs> Behind. So you're going to go up to him? Behind. <laughs> Great. I'm sure the NFL's thrilled with this segment. With their 14 sponsors. Oh, my gosh. All right. You know, I love Mike Tomlin, okay? I love him. I love him. I understand, though, that Steelers fans are disappointed that he's lost Playoff game after playoff game after playoff game of recent years. What's the number now? Seven years without winning a playoff game now? I have the numbers here. They're not pretty. But they made it. I, you know what I mean? Like, I, would you rather have loved and lost than not at all? And then the answer is like, you don't want to lose anymore and enough's kind of enough. Thing, right? And, you know. I, yeah, we have this conversation all the time. Like, you would rather. Dude, it's been. Love and lose, I haven't made but... the. Jets haven't made the playoffs in. 13 years. It's been 13 years since I settled in like Steeler fans were able yesterday. It was a seven-point game at one point. But like, that was really, a game. But did, no, it was not a game. Did you really ever think the Steelers were going to win? I didn't think that. I thought that they had a shot. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, I definitely thought they did. Of course they did. Come on. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on a second. You never thought the Steelers Mike were going to win that game. Mike Hoskins, our coordinating producer, is a diehard Bills fan. Take Brockman if you thought that the Bills could potentially lose. All right, he didn't. He feels really confident. Okay. I don't know. Oh, there he is. Just a little late. A little late. Okay. No chance. Dude, I I, I don't know. It was, it was 21 nothing. That game was over. It was. <laughs> Listen, they didn't quit, and they had a chance, and then Miles Jack, who was on a practice squad, he was retired, he was on the couch. I mean, the number of injuries that they had. There was no T.J. Watt. They're 1-10 oh. in, in games without T.J. Watt. Okay, I'm excuse-making to all the people who think – I'm in the tank for the coach and can't tell the truth and all of that. Uh, look, look, Vince Lombardi's not winning a game with T.J. Watt on the on the bench. Dude, not playing. Like, come on. Let's I, be real. I, I, honestly, they, they played it, and, and then Miles Jack had a, a – a, uh, Back-to-back. Back-to-back where the ball found him, man. And unfortunately, it did not work out. And now the Pittsburgh Steelers, their last four playoff games, I mean, they, they've lost a five playoff games – the differential of minus 68. Four of their last five playoff games, they've lost by 11 or more points. Ooh. They just, you know, a tough assignment. I get it. But Mike Tomlin, this was the end of his press conference, and we're wondering if this is the end of his remarkable tenure. There's 17 years, right? That uh, is this the walk-off? Hit it. Anyone? Mike, you have a year left on your contract. He just walked off as soon as he heard, Mike, you have a year left on your contract. Shot a glance and left. Literally, exit stage left. The door was to his left. And a lot of folks are reading that to say, he's gone. I disagree. I just think he's a very prideful man who knows the conversation, knows about that talk, and wasn't ready to countenance a single second about it. I'm out. 
And you could say that he uh, ran from the accountability. There's a lot of people that for some reason, and I get it, you're not happy that you haven't won a playoff game. The Steelers aren't the the roadkill. They're the road through which you must go to win a championship. I get it. But I don't think he's ready to leave. I know a guy who I saw, again, in Indianapolis. That guy loves coaching. He loves ball. And he's not burnt. And I think he loves where he is, personally. But he's got, uh, you know, older kids. And if he wants to start somewhere else, I'm sure Dallas would love to have him if they want to blow out their guy. Could you imagine he goes to the other part of the state? You know? What about Atlanta? Would Atlanta take him? Seattle? Tennessee? I mean, pretty much anybody would take him. And I know a bunch of Steeler fans have been looking at me and saying, you take him then. Man, I, I don't know what that brave new world would look like. But I understand you want Belichick there. <laughs> I don't, Pittsburgh? Oh, baby. I mean, Vrabel? Vrabel strikes me as... Put him there in the Steel City? I understand, folks. I get it. I just don't think he's going anywhere, personally. If he doesn't want to, I don't think he's gone. You know, part of me kind of hopes he does leave. Just so everyone just can so get what they, they those naysayers want. Yeah. You know, this is what for years. Are you letting a naysayer for, know? I'm letting. Are you know. doing full length on this? You know, I'm just saying, man. I'm. I'm a, I hear you. I'm letting a Yenzer know is what I'm doing. Bomani Jones coming up sh- right next on the Rich Eisen Show in studio. I'm with you. Like it's some, but but I don't know. Is that a predominant? You'd know better than me. Although I'm seeing it, like I got when it was twenty-one nothing. Is this? I got a bunch of those folks saying, "Is this what the the result you're looking for, Rich?" I mean, from, all, from our coach, we all understand that social media is such a small portion of reality, right? But that, that such a small part, I should say. But like, they're very loud. No, I get it, and, and they're I, very I, demonstrative. I and, get. By the way, I understand that it's been a long time since they've won a playoff game. I understand they haven't been competitive in a lot of playoff games since then. I understand the one that was the closest was the one where they lost to the Jaguars and Blake Bortles at home, and that still stings more than the most. I understand he stuck with tweets about that. I understand he stuck with Canada too long, and I think if he put Mason Rudolph in earlier, what what were they had? Twelve wins? Would they not have been in Buffalo, right? They might have been in Houston. Where they right. where they lost yeah. earlier this year with Kenny Pickett, I, I I understand that he's he's definitely not perfect, but for a team that I saw walk out of Indianapolis at seven and seven with no hope, they won three in a row, and yeah, man, when it was a one score game, I thought just play defense and see what Mason Rudolph can do and see if you can make the mis- get the Josh Allen mistake, and instead, you know, Miles Jack the. The football gods found him a couple times. Also, and I, by the way, that I also mean Josh Allen. <laughs> guys got to remember, they lived in the era of Belichick, too. Like, no, I get it. I, I, I totally understand it. Bomani Jones coming up. 